following sermon is from Dr. Dan Kitnoya, pastor of Calvary Baptist Church in Tilton, Illinois. If you've never reached out to Calvary before, we'd like to hear from you. Visit our website, calvarytilton.com. That's calvarytilton.com. And now, here's Dr. Dan. If you have your copy of the scriptures, join me if you would in Joshua chapter 10. Joshua 10. Today we're going to conclude our series on biblical faith. When a Christian sets out to do something for the Lord, their faith, which fueled their actions, is often confronted by fear. Decide to stay pure until, until marriage, then you are confronted by fear of what people will say about you. Decide that you're going to start tithing, and you will fear the beer bills and the economic report. Decide to jump in with both feet and follow the Lord, and you will fear what your friends will, stay, will say. Decide to put your trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of sins and salvation, and you'll be confronted by the fear that you're going to mess it up somehow, or fear that God won't forgive you. And when a church decides to reach out to the lost in their community, they will fear failure. Or perhaps they may fear success. Because that means that people who aren't like them will start coming to their church. When God stirs you to do something in faith, there will come a time when you must decide whether you trust God or not. You will decide to trust, you'll have to decide to trust what? You'll have to decide whether you will trust God and that that trust will continue to drive your choices and actions. Will you trust faith or fear? In the Bible, there are numerous examples of heroes in the faith. And we see about some of them in the book of Hebrews. We see about them in various places. Men and women of God who chose faith over fear and acted accordingly. What made their faith so noteworthy was that the actions they took seemed unlikely to succeed. Last week we looked at Hebrews 11, verse 1 and 2, and we saw that the biblical, biblical faith can be defined as internal confidence based upon the convicting work of the, the convicting testimony of the Holy Spirit that God is who He says He is and that He will do what He says He will do. Faith is the internal confidence built upon the convicting testimony of the Holy Spirit that God is who He says He is and that He will do what He says He will do. The rest of Hebrews 11 is referred to as the Hall of Faith. It lists numerous people in the Old Testament who were led by God into faith adventures. That list, uh, that, uh, the Bible includes their examples so that we might be stirred to walk by faith, not by sight. And then Hebrews 11, 31 and 32 mentions Joshua's faith adventures. Joshua was the successor to Moses and that job required that he lead the Israelites to, oh boy, to, I hate technology, I'm sorry, to follow God into battle and ultimately into the promised land because of the hardness of their hearts. The Israelites wandered in the wilderness for 40 years because of the hardness of their hearts. And Moses, their leader, died without entering the promised land. So where we pick up the story, Joshua, Moses' apprentice, is leading the Israelites, and he is leading well. 
Part of the Lord's plan for Israel was to march into battles on their way to the promised land. But as time unfolded, it had become evident that Joshua and this wandering band of former slaves was a force to reckon with. Because... Sorry. Can you just pause for a second with me? I'm learning my wife's tablet, and she halfway explained to me how it works, and I'm figuring it out as we go. All right. As time unfolded, it had become evident that Joshua and his wandering band of former slaves was a force to reckon with. Because the God that Joshua and the Israelites were following is faithful, they were having great success. And this band of nobodies was starting to understand that their success was directly linked to their faithfulness to God. If they were faithful, God was faithful. If they were unfaithful, God was still faithful, but they didn't enjoy the benefits of their relationship with Him, and this led to failure, which is exactly what God said would happen. The Israelites saw the faithfulness of God, but they learned the hard way in the first battle of Ai that God removes His blessing and protections when we are disobedient. The result of their unfaithfulness was that the Israelites scattered like buckshot as they ran from the battle and suffered great loss. After the humiliating defeat, the Lord led them once again into a decisive victory in the battle against Ai. On another faith adventure, Joshua led the Israelites on what appeared to be a fool's errand in which they marched around the impenetrable walls of Jericho for seven days. Then on the seventh day, they blew the ram's horn and the walls of Jericho came tumbling down. They won a decisive victory that day, not because of their great battle plan, but because of their great God. Word of Israel's success spread quickly. So a group of people from Gibeon traveled to Joshua in Gilgal, and they brought props with them like rotten bread, and they wore clothes with holes in them to make it appear like they had been traveling for quite some time since they left home. They did this to trick Joshua into entering a peace treaty with them. Why? The people had heard reports of Israel's mighty God giving them victory on the battlefield. Believing that the men of Gibeon were from a distant land, Israel made a peace treaty with them and didn't consult God. When Joshua learned that he had been tricked, he was stuck because the treaty had been made. They couldn't go back on their word. And when word of the peace treaty between Gibeon and Israel got out to the other kings, it was one success too many. So an alliance was formed to bring an end to Joshua's success. And we read what happened in Joshua chapter 10, verses 1 through 15. Let's read. As soon as Adonai Zedek, king of Jerusalem, heard how Joshua had captured Ai and had devoted it to destruction, doing to Ai and its king as he had done to Jericho and its king, and how the inhabitants of Gibeon had made peace with Israel and were among them, he feared greatly because Gibeon was a great city like one of the royal cities. And because it was greater than Ai, and all its men were warriors. Verse 3. So Adonai Zedek, king of Jerusalem, sent to Hoham, king of Hebron, to Piram, king of Jarmuth, to Japhia, king of Lachish, 
and to Debir, king of Eglon, saying, Come up to me and help me, and let us strike Gibeon. For it has made peace with Joshua and with the people of Israel. Then the five kings of the Amorites, the king of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, the king of Jarmuth, the king of Lachish, and the king of Eglon, gathered their forces and went up with all their armies and encamped against Gibeon and made war against it. Verse 6. And the men of Gibeon sent to Joshua at the camp in Gilgal, saying, Do not relax your hand from your servant. Come up to us quickly and save us and help us. For all the kings of the Amorites who dwell in the hill country are gathered around us. In other words, they had come against Gilgal, and since Gilgal had a treaty with Joshua and the Israelites, they're saying, come and help us, like you said you would. Verse 7. So Joshua went, Joshua went up from Gilgal, he and all the people of war with him, and all the men, mighty men of valor. And the Lord said to Joshua, Do not fear them, for I have given them into your hands. Not a man of them shall stand before you. So Joshua came upon them suddenly, having marched up all night from Gilgal, verse 10. And the Lord drew them, threw them into a panic before Israel, who struck them with a great blow at Gibeon and caused them by the way, chased them by the way of the ascent of Beth Haran and struck them as far as Azekah and Makeda. Verse 11, And as they fled before Israel, while they were going down the ascent of Beth Haran, the Lord threw down large stones from heaven on them as far as Azekah, and they died. And there were more who died because of the hailstones than the sons of Israel killed with the sword. Verse 12, At that time Joshua spoke to the Lord in the day when the Lord gave the, gave the Amorites over to the sons of Israel, and he said in the sight of Israel, Son, stand still at Gibeon, and moon in the valley of Ajalon. And the sun stood still, stood still, and the moon stopped until the nation took vengeance on their enemies. Is this not written in the book of Jashar? The sun stopped in the midst of heaven and did not hurry to set about a whole day. There has been no day like it before or since when the Lord heeded the voice of a man. For the Lord fought for Israel. So Joshua returned and all Israel with him to the camp at Gilgal. Verse 16. These five kings fled and hid themselves at the cave, in the cave at Makeda. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for uh, the wonderful stories and accounts that we see in the Old Testament of how men and women of faith took action because they believed you. We pray that their stories would inspire us as individuals and as a church. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Last week I mentioned that I met Chrissy on a blind date, which is a faith adventure, to say the least. But the couple that set us up were Russ and Egla Dixon. Russ sat next to me in church history class and seminary, and when we started to learn about the monks, I turned to him and said, Dude, I'm basically a monk. Because all I do is go to class, go to work, and then I go to my apartment and study. I have no social life. And then about two months later, he said to me, are you still a monk? And I said, yes. And he said, well, I know this lady named Chrissy. 
and she works with my wife, and she's a good Christian girl, and she needed a date. Actually, he said to me, it's not a date. She just needs someone to go with her to a formal dance. That's not a date. So, you know, he, he kind of made it out like he was, I was doing this damsel in distress a favor. And so he had her call me, and she said, I need a date. Is the first words out of her mouth. So that's kind of how it went. But Russ and Igla have one of the coolest stories of risk-taking romance I have ever heard. Russ, uh, in his younger years, felt led by the Lord to go to Venezuela with his church on a mission trip. When he was there, he met Egla and knew that she was the one, but Egla was not convinced. Nevertheless, he got her phone number and uh, began to, to pray about it and believe that this was the woman that God wanted him to marry. So he wrote letters to her and called her as much as he could afford to because back in those days, you know, cell phones weren't what you guys remember. There's no, te- no teens in here, so you know long distance wasn't cheap. So he called her as much as he could. And eventually he made return trips just to visit her. And he eventually proposed marriage and she said yes. Now they didn't have as much time to get to know each other as Chrissy and I did. But they knew the Lord was in it and so they trusted him. Now she didn't just marry him. She chose to move to the United States with him. Back in Venezuela she was a lawyer. But when she met Chrissy... They were working together as hostesses at a restaurant. So she left behind a career and her home and her family to move here. But she was following the Lord and she was happy to trust the Lord. And she was happy with Russ on this faith adventure. I imagine that was scary for her. But she chose to trust the Lord's leadership. Like Joshua, she chose faith over fear. The Lord, Josh, the Lord told Joshua, not to fear. And with the Lord's help, Joshua led Israel to a great victory. The odds were stacked against them. When you read verses 1-6, through six, this is five kings coming against Israel. And, and Gibeon uh, was so insignificant that they, they were like, we better go make a treaty with these people and trick them into it. There was, they didn't have much to offer. So this, the odds were stacked against them. Five kings had joined forces to oppose Joshua and this little know-nothing kingdom. Their plan was to attack Gibeon, and since Israel had a treaty with them, they would have to join in the fight. Now on the surface, the odds were not in Joshua's favor. Israel was outnumbered, outgunned, and outclassed. But what we learn from Joshua 10 is that when God fights for you, you will be victorious. That is why the Lord said to him, Fear not. And as Isaiah 54, 7, we are told, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And since that is true, Christians, fear not. When God is leading you into a faith adventure, fear not. Don't fear the economic forecast. Don't fear the opinions of others. Don't fear your limitations. Fear not. Why? Because if God is for you, who can be against you? God can deliver you from any circumstance. The question for us is, do we trust Him? God can give us the victory in ways that we would never expect. I suspect Russ had no intention of meeting Egla, and Egla had no intention of moving to the United States, but they have a beautiful family together. When Joshua entered the battle, he didn't know what to expect. How could he? 
He just knew that God said, fear not. I have already handed them over to you. Victory is in the bag. God can give you victory in in ways that you would never expect. But Joshua had no idea that the Lord would stir up confusion and fear in the hearts of the enemies and that He would rain down hailstones from heaven upon them. He knew God would be involved, but he had no idea that God Himself would enter the battle and would slay more of Israel's enemies with hailstones than Israel would kill, would kill with swords. He had no idea that was God's plan. Joshua had no idea that a once-in-human-history event that we now call Joshua's long day, he didn't know that was going to happen. How could he have? Hadn't been done since or before. So he entered in the battle knowing that God was with him. He had no idea that a, a man like him could be so moved by faith in God that he would cry out to the sun to stop its orbit and God would make that happen. Lengthening the day so that Israel could completely destroy their enemies. See, when the sun goes down in those days, it was harder to pursue in battle. So God lengthening, God lengthening the day enabled Israel to continue pursuing and destroying their enemies. He asked that prayer in faith, in confidence, asking God to stop the sun, believing that God would answer him. Why? Because he knew that he was carrying out God's will. He was being obedient, and God promised to bless his obedience. The result was that God did a miracle to advance his agenda. The advance of his kingdom in our hearts, our homes, Our hometown is God's agenda. Christian, are you surrendering your agenda to His? If so, He will give you the victory. Don't ask God to cram His plan into your puny little mind. I mean that in love. Because then God would have to be limited by your understanding. I don't know about you, but I don't understand how the sun stops. But God does. God didn't ask Joshua his opinion how the victory should be won. He had a plan. Don't ask God to cram his plans into your small understanding. Ask Joshua. He will tell you. Have faith in God. Trust his plans, not your circumstances. We walk by faith, not by sight. God grants victory to those who trust him. Not necessarily those who have the best strategic plan, but those who trust God and follow Him. Faith in God is more than just mentally agreeing that that biblical truth is true. Faith in God is more than just mentally agreeing that biblical truth is true. That's part of it. But faith in God includes trusting Him enough to follow Him. That includes trusting Him enough to put your life in His hands for salvation. Faith includes trusting Him enough to lay aside sin which hinders us from knowing Him fully and making Him known. Faith includes trusting God to help us grow spiritually as we gather for worship, grow in personal Bible study and in group studies. And it hinders us from going, finding a place to serve God either inside or outside the church. Faith includes trusting God to help us grow spiritually. Also, faith includes trusting Him enough to advance the kingdom of God in our hearts, our homes, and our hometowns. 
I've kind of come to know that sometimes taking a risk for God or trying to do something that you know God would have you to do requires an act of boldness. Another word for that is faith. Not only do we learn from Joshua that God grants victory to those who trust Him, we learn that He chooses to work with us to advance His kingdom. God chooses to work with us through us to advance His kingdom. That's one of the beautiful takeaways of the story of Joshua. God works through people who trust Him. Divine deliverance and human initiative work hand in hand. Now God can get victory without us doing anything. But He has chosen in His wisdom to work in us and through us. Look again at verse 7-10. through Divine deliverance and human initiative work hand in hand. So Joshua went up from Gilgal, he and all the people of war with him, and all the mighty men of valor. And the Lord said to Joshua, Do not fear them, for I have given them into your hands. Not a man of them shall stand before you. So Joshua came upon them suddenly, having marched up all night from Gilgal, and the Lord threw them into a panic before Israel, who struck them with a great blow at Gibeon and chased them by the way of the ascent of Beth Haran and struck them as far as Azekah and Makeda. They chased them home, is what that basically meant. We see that Joshua took action and he used strategy. He ambushed them. This was a good strategy, but he ambushed them. A good, but this is a good strategy, but good strategy would not have won the day. They were only successful because God gave them the victory. Divine deliverance and human initiative work hand in hand. God doesn't need you to pray in order for Him to be victorious. We are the ones who need to pray. When we pray, we are working hand in hand with God's plan. And His plan is to include the prayers of His people in this work. Whatever that work may be. Joshua prayed. And the unexpected happened. When you share the Gospel with someone and they put their trust in Jesus, the Bible gives God the credit for everything that places takes place for us to be saved. The Bible gives God the credit for everything that takes place for us to be saved. Yeah, we respond. But God was the one that sent the messenger. God was the one that came up with the Gospel. God was the one that convicted. God was the one that made the Gospel ring true in the ears and hearts of the hearer. Yeah, God works in us and through us. Our work, But our work as evangelists is included in the process. God is the one who gets the credit, but our work as evangelists, as witnesses, is included in the process. The Holy Spirit is the one who leads someone to share the Gospel with an unbeliever. And so she does. And the unbeliever hears. At this time, they respond by putting their trust in Jesus. They did so because the Holy Spirit broke through their hard heart and led them to repentance and faith. God gets the credit, but He graciously involves us in the joyous task of reaching the lost. When a couple decides to put Jesus at the center of their marriage, 
and this leads to blessings in their home. Human initiative was indeed involved, but God led them into the truth about the blessing that comes when he is joyfully received as the king of the home. God led them to that. Not human wisdom, not worldly wisdom, God. And when they trusted God and followed his lead, he blessed them. From Joshua chapter 10, we also learn that God is right there in the heat of the battle with his people. He's there in the heat of the battle when your home is kind of tumultuous. He's there in the heat of the battle in your heart when you are filled with fear. And he's there in the heat of the battle with his people. That's what we see in Joshua 10. I don't know what you're going through this week or this last few months, but I do know that you're not going it alone if you're a child of God. God is with you in the heat of battle. So trust Him. The circumstances may be real, but don't let the circumstances appear bigger to you than God. Don't fear the circumstances. The Lord is fighting alongside of you. When the Lord fights for you, there is no reason to fear. Fear is the antonym, that is the opposite of faith. Fear, simply stated, is weak faith or unbelief. As unbelief gains the upper hand in our thoughts, fear takes hold of our emotion. I'm going to say that again. As unbelief gains the upper hand in our thoughts, fear gains hold of our emotions. Our deliverance from fear and worry is based on faith, which is the opposite of unbelief. Jesus is able to conquer your problems for you. He proved that when He conquered the grave, rising victorious over it. In this life, we've got problems. We've got real problems. We all know that death is the biggest foe that any person faces, or we think so. But Jesus overcame that. The Lord who went to the cruel cross and died on it for you and went down to the depths of death itself and rose again, says to you, fear not, I am able to conquer this problem too. Jesus is right there with you in the midst of your problems. A long time ago, God, I felt God speak to me. I was glad to see it in the Bible. Don't see me as a God who is far off, but see me as a God who is there in the battle with you. That's encouraging. He encourages us to see Him as He really is. A God who is right there in the heat of battle with you. So the question for us is, will we trust God? Will you choose to live your life His way? Well, that, my friend, is an act of faith. Because we, this is an act of faith because we doubt that we can be happy without sin. I can't give up the beer, the bars, and the babes and still be happy. I cannot give up authority over my life. I like things the way I like them. But what if I told you that living life God's way is better than the temporary happiness that sin brings? Will you choose to trust God enough to live life His way? If the answer is no, then friend, it is possible that you're not saved. Will you go to God with your problems or try to face them alone? Marital problems, God has the answer. Health problems, 
trust God? Will you leave justice in God's hands? Or will you strive to get even? Christians, there are numerous reasons for fear in this world. But God is calling us to faith. He has called us to walk by faith with Him. The question we must answer is, will we choose faith or fear? Finally, you know, I know this is the Sunday night crowd, but I saw a statistic somewhere that said on any given Sunday, 40% of the people in a congregation are not believers. So I'm going to say this again. Will you put your life in Jesus' hands for salvation? The reason that God went to war against those five kings was because of sin. He is the judge of sin. The wages of sin is death. When we endure problems in this world, we are tasting a little death, dose of death so that we might put our trust in Him, put our trust in Jesus. Because even in the best days on this earth, Death is still lurking in the shadows. Because the wages of sin is always death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through faith in Christ Jesus, our Lord. He made the gift of eternal life possible when He willingly died on the cross for our sins and rose again. And now you can take hold of the gift of eternal life today by faith in Jesus. The question is, will you trust Him? If you have not yet done so, if you would like to put your trust in Jesus, I'll invite you. Come and talk to me after the sermon is over. I'd love to talk with you about how to call on Jesus for salvation. For those of you who have put your trust in Jesus, some of you can testify that in the darkest days, you knew that God was present in the battle with you. And so tomorrow, when the day, tomorrow might bring a new struggle. My prayer is that you'd remember that you're not alone, that God is with you. Choose faith over fear. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for the Word of God. We thank you for the Son of God. We thank you for the people of God in this church. And we thank you for our brothers and sisters who are, are, are meeting in other churches, worshiping the same Lord Jesus as we do. We thank You that You have given us reason for hope. Even in the midst of dark days, I think even as I look around the room tonight and I see faces of people who are, have gone through struggles and dark days, but You've given them the victory and others who are, have, have battles ahead of them. Some that they know and some they, well, they might be caught off guard by a battle. We praise You that You're a God who gives us victory. Help us to walk close with you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You've been listening to Dr. Dan Kitnoya, pastor of Calvary Baptist Church in Tilton, Illinois. If you'd like to learn more, visit our website, calvarytilton.com. That's calvarytilton.com. Thank you for listening.